this episode of The Naturist Living Show, The Exploitation of Naturism. This episode of The Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome to episode number 26 of The Nature's Living Show. My name is Stéphane Deschain and I'm your host for the show. I'm also the owner of Bear Oaks Family Nature's Park. And if this show appears to be uh, very tight with the last one or very close to the last show, uh, episode number 25, it's because it is. I'm trying to catch up. I try to have one show every month. And uh, the last several months, that one show has come out on the last or second last day of the month because I'm cramming it in at the last minute, trying not to miss that uh, monthly post. And uh, so for this one, which is uh, being done for December, uh, December of 2010, if you're listening to this later on and catching up with the shows, um, I thought I would try to get that one up at the beginning of the month. So the November one came out quite late, as usual. And so let's bring this one up a few weeks, is my thought. Plus, you know, December with the holidays is always a very busy time anyway. So I thought it might be good to use that time to kind of catch up and bring the schedule back up. So in this show, I'd like to talk about the exploitation of naturism, the exploitation of naturists. Um, I already referred to that in episode number 24 when I talked about uh, certain retailers who were using the naturist moniker to hide behind when they were really selling videos that weren't really targeting naturists at all. And uh, it, it's, it's very frustrating, it's very upsetting because it uh, makes us look bad. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't end there. There are, there are many, many individuals within our society which give naturism a bad name. Um, what they do is they're using naturism to take advantage of others. They they hurt those involved in most cases. They hurt us as naturists because they hurt our image. But they often hurt the people involved who participate because they don't really respect them. Um, they're using naturism as a cloak of legitimacy. Um, when you're doing a, a magazine that's full of uh, young children or videos that is primarily focused on young children, um, you know, f- imagery that would really have no interest to naturist, but might to those with more prurient intent, shall we say. Um, you couldn't call them what they are, or you couldn't say what you're really doing, so you hide under the badge of naturism. Uh, it, it gives you this cloak of legi- legitimacy. It, uh, but those people really are exploiting naturism for personal gain. 
It's it's for sex in many cases. It's it's for money, uh, power, pride, whatever. But they don't really respect themselves and they don't really respect others. And so those are the people who actually who themselves are not comfortable nude. The people selling, producing these are not the ones that you're going to find taking their clothes off in a naturist environment. They're behind the camera, behind the video equipment. They're in the offices selling the material. But they themselves are never the participant because they can't be. But that kind of attitude um, can really infect a naturist club. It can hurt a naturist club. Our openness, our, our desire to be accepted, um, they can use our tolerance, our open-mindedness against us. And you see that early on in naturism with the publications which are clearly exploitive. There's no respect for self or others in particular because it's all very young, very shapely women with the occasional man in there to throw balance. Um, and in naturists, even in the, you see it in the publications and the correspondence from the 40s and 50s, are debating this. They're debating, they believe that, you know, you need to use those publications to get the word out. They need the money that those publishers are making available to the clubs to grow. And so it's a debate because without the money, they might fail. Without the publishers, they may not be able to get the message out. The question, of course, is what is that message? And so those people are always twisting the definitions of naturism to suit their purposes. And then often we go along because they can convince us, they can be convincing, they can say, what's wrong with that video full of children? Are those children doing anything inappropriate? And of course the answer is no. Are those not naturist children? And of course they are. And so we get talked into it and we go along with it not realizing the damage we're doing to ourselves, but to our image and to naturism in the long run. And as an example here, I want to take you to one particular place, which to me really has some perfect examples of how things can go wrong and off the rails very, very fast. So let's go to Roselawn, Indiana. Maybe you've never heard of Roselawn, Indiana. It's certainly a very small town, only about 4,000 inhabitants. It's about 50 kilometers south of uh, Lake Michigan and about a 100-kilometer drive from Chicago. So close enough that really uh, Roselawn is very reachable from Chicago and a good weekend destination. And in fact, that very small town has two rather infamous naturist clubs or nudist clubs. They call themselves nudists, so let's use that term. But neither are recognized by ANR, the American Association for Nude Recreation, or TNS, the Naturist Society. And that's because they both have pretty shady past and even fairly shady present. They're both still in existence. The first one is called The Naked City. Now it is, you may have heard of that. That may sound familiar because there was certainly a lot of publicity about the Naked City in the 70s. So if you were around for a long time, you would have heard of it. And Dick Drost, specifically, of the Naked City. So I think the best summary that I've found is actually one from a book called Weird Indiana 
Your Travel Guide to Indiana's Local Legends and Best Kept Secrets. It's by uh, Mark Merriman, James A. Wallace, Troy Taylor, and Mark Moran. And it's published by the Starling Publishing Company. So let me read you the uh, barely one-page description of Naked City. So you say you were too young or too shy to hang out at a real-life 70s-style nudist camp? Well, you're in luck, because one still exists. So come along with us to the town of Roselawn. Don't bother to pack, because you don't need anything to wear. The nudist camp Club Zorro opened in the early 1930s. It was a creation of Alois Knapp, a Chicago lawyer and editor of Sunshine and Health magazine, one of the first nudist magazines ever published. Over the years, Club Zorro had many different owners, until it came to be acquired by Dale and Mary Drost in 1968. But it wasn't Mr. or Mrs. Drost who had the biggest plans for the club. It was their son, Dick. With big naked dreams in his head, Dick set out remodeling and revamping the club his parents had purchased. He began by renaming the place Naked City, and then set his sights on creating all sorts of theme nights to attract more customers. His most famous was his annual Aaron Go Brawless dance, which was held every St. Patrick's Day. It was also during this time that Dick began putting up, how shall we say, unique structures on his property, including a giant circular mirrored building that housed a restaurant, a sauna, and the main office, among other things, we're sure. Far and away, the strangest structure that went up on the site was the giant woman's leg, all 63 feet of it, that functioned as a sundial. The bottom fell out of Naked City in 1985 when Dick Drost was charged with molesting a 13-year-old girl and with showing obscene material to minors. On March 24, 1986, Drost pleaded guilty to almost a dozen sex-related misdemeanors in exchange for being given a 10-year suspended sentence. However, part of the agreement was that Drost leave the state of Indiana and not return for 10 years. Shortly after sentencing, Drost shut down Naked City and moved to California, leaving the leg sundial all alone and naked. After sitting abandoned for several years, Naked City was reopened as the Sun Aura Resort, which continues to operate to this day. Yes, the leg is still there keeping time, and she's even got a fresh coat of semi-neon pink paint on her. As for the rest of the resort, it could use a bit of updating. In fact, when you walk around, you might think you had wandered onto the set of a 1970s TV show, if not for the naked people driving way too fast in their golf carts. So that's from the uh, the book. And uh, when you read around uh, the web, you can find more information, more articles. Um, I mean, this was all about exploitation. They, they talked about this being a nudist park, but it was all about sex. And, and in a way, this is symptomatic of what happened in the 1960s and 1970s. You know, with this new openness towards sexuality, with this new uh, sexual revolution and sexual freedom, a lot of that got mixed up with nudism. Um, because uh, to those who were seeking sex, to people who were into swinging or orgies or parties or whatever it was, the nudity seemed natural. And uh, the uh, a lot of resorts were already uh, having um, 
beauty contests and beauty pageants and Miss Nude pageants. And so women were a bit of an object uh, of desire, and uh, which was not atypical for the times. The, the equality wasn't there. But it just, you know, people would just go a little further and a little further and a little seedier and a little seedier. And in the case of Drosty, he certainly didn't uh, stop uh, with anything. Um, he, uh, Naked City featured a truck stop, which was very popular with truckers because it featured nude waitresses. Um, yeah, I guess he thought of himself also as a bit of a uh, Hugh Hefner type of uh, person because he uh, decided to have his own plane. He had a very uh, unique airplane called the, the Havilland Comet, which was one of the first uh, jet-powered um, passenger airliners uh, built in England in the 50s. And uh, he used it a few times until it broke down and apparently it sat at O'Hare Airport in Chicago for years and years because nobody knew what to do with it and nobody wanted to spend the money to fix it. There's, there was even a grass uh, runway at uh, Naked City that they had built, but it was uh, in too bad of a condition for any plane to actually use it. But you could see he had these uh, I, uh, dreams or... or, or his big ego. Uh, everything was named Dick Drost's Naked City. Um, it was he was a lot, I guess, uh, like Hugh Hefner, or emulating Hugh Hefner. Um, he was apparently always surrounded by uh, young girls. Uh, apparently, many were runaways, according to what I've read uh, in their mid-teens. Uh, but always nude women. I've even read a rumor that anybody who worked for him had to sign that they were willing to sleep with him. And other, uh, another article said that they all had to get a tattoo of the Naked City logo on their leg. Um, uh, Dick Dross was in a, uh, a wheelchair, and he was always being pushed around and surrounded by nude women who took care of his every needs, apparently. And obviously this was very popular with a uh, part of the population. And a lot of celebrities came and gave him the attention he was seeking. He's also made a lot of money. Um, but this is the kind of thing that gave naturism a very bad name. This is the kind of publicity that misled a lot of people. Um, and this is where uh, the, the idea of naturism, the philosophy that started at the beginning of the 20th century, was completely lost. And as I said earlier, um, the club still exists. It was closed for a while. It changed hands a number of times, but it's now called Sun Aura. And as you can see, when you go to their uh, website, um, they call themselves a nudist park, but they say they are, we are a lifestyle friendly, as most of you probably know, lifestyle is code word for swingers, clothing optional resort for people 21 or over. So not even pretending to be a family uh, park because they don't allow anybody under 21. But I still wonder, why, why don't they just call themselves a swingers park or a lifestyle park, why do they need to add the word nudist? Why do they need to pretend to have a philosophy um, that is clearly completely unrelated and different from swinging and, and adults over 21 type parks? But as I said, there was a second club in uh, Roseland, Indiana, and it's called the Ponderosa Sun Club. And that's not to be confused with the Ponderosa Resort here in Ontario. This is also in uh, Indiana. And again, the Ponderosa Sun Club still exists today. And it's been around since uh, the uh, mid-1960s. 
And when you go to the Ponderosa Sun Club, it actually says all the right thing. It says the purpose of the club is to promote health and happiness for its members. And it says the Ponderosa Sun Club is a family-oriented nudist resort, not clothing optional. That's all great. That's good. That's exactly what I've been talking about. The images that I see on their website are good, normal, healthy, naturist images, families having a good time. All of their policies seem to be consistent with a good, healthy, naturist philosophy. Ah, uh, except for the link for Nudes a Poppin'. Yes, Nudes a Poppin'. Their big once a year festival. Ah, sure, it started innocently enough in the 70s as a beauty pageant. And you know, that sounds so exploitive, and it is. But we have to remember that in the early 70s, beauty pageants were very normal everywhere. Nobody had thought through what it meant. No, Women's rights equality wasn't quite there. So we can't be too hard on all these clubs that were having beauty pageants. And generally, they were very nice. They were very innocuous. Uh, certainly the Four Seasons uh, here in southern Ontario had uh, beauty pageants for a long time. And it was just that. It was talking and, you know, being in good shape, but also having a nice personality. But in their case, it really went downhill, and it kept going downhill and becoming very profitable. To the point that today, Nudes of Poppin', which is one weekend a year, attracts over 5,000 people to attend. And we're talking about $50 each, so you can imagine the money being made here. Actually, they even have a $1,000 special all-access backstage pass or something. It attracts a, over 100 Adult entertainment industry performers, so, you know, strippers, porn stars, that kind of thing, and a lot of celebrities. Uh, recently, uh, Ron Jeremy, which is, uh, he's apparently a, a big in the porn industry, uh, and Gene Simmons from KISS uh, have been regular attendees. Uh, and, you know, if you see what is going on, it's pretty obvious. They have... Uh, Several categories for Miss Nude Entertainer, Mr. Nude Entertainer, Miss Nude Galaxy. Um, they have an audience vote for Miss Hot Legs, uh, Best Breasts, uh, Miss Hot Buns, Miss Crowd Pleaser, and Best Undraped Body. And here's some hints for the performers, for the, the uh, people who are competing, the competitors. It says, uh, do a bit of dance and a lot of pole work. Apparently, that's how you win. So, see, it, it's... It, now, when you ask people about why they continue to do this, it's because it makes a lot of money. It's very profitable. In fact, in a July 2008 article uh, by Conrad Marshall on Indie.com, he interviewed uh, Debbie uh, Capel, uh, who's 50 years old, and she's a longtime member of Ponderosa in Indiana. And he asks her, he says, so what can you tell me about the big annual events here, Nudes a Poppin'? She says, I actually took part in the first shows back in the 70s. My girlfriend and I used to do the mud wrestling. Her mother would work her corner, my mother would work my corner. They'd walk behind us making sure nobody touched. So then uh, Conrad says, so you stopped at some point as the event grew and became more exotic? And she answers, When they started asking me to bend over, I stopped. 
And there is the difference between the everyday nudism of Ponderosa Sun Club and Nudes of Poppin. The one day of the year here that being nude is not so much about emancipation as sexualization, that cameras are allowed inside the club, that guests can enter and not disrobe, and club members like Capel keep their kit on. So that's from the article by uh, Conrad Marshall. And to me, this is the ultimate in hypocrisy. I mean, if we talk about respect for self and respect for others, and I'm sure it does make a ton of money, and apparently that keeps the fees down low, and uh, that pays for all kinds of improvements to the club, and so the members put up with it. And I understand that, uh, you know, clubs do other things uh, sometimes that generate revenue that the members put up with because it helps. But there has to be a limit at some point. To me, this is like being a vegetarian butcher. You know, to talk about respecting animals and not uh, living off them and eating their flesh, but yet slaughtering them and carving them up and serving them to the masses who want them. It's the same thing. You, you can't be a vegetarian and a butcher. Um, you, you have to decide. And sure, I understand at Whitethorn, uh, the members there, um, aren't thrilled with the big volleyball festival because it's so disruptive and many of them leave during that time because the place is taken over by these volleyball players but volleyball is consistent with naturism and you know maybe they don't participate in the club like they the members would like them to but we're not going too far the world is not black and white i understand that but sometimes the gray gets awfully black and you have to know where your tolerance is for that and there has to be a limit and holding the nudes a popping pageant no matter what you say for the other 363 days of the year doesn't take away from the fact that for that one weekend you are completely taking advantage and exploiting naturism and exploiting people and using them for their bodies and doing everything and letting people do everything on your land on your property in your club that goes counter it's the very, very core values of naturism. Now, the Ponderosa was started by Harvey and Irene Schmidt in 1965. Uh, one of their three sons, Tom, took over in 1976 uh, when their father died. And uh, he himself died in 1997, and his daughter, Scarlett Schmidt, is now running it still. Um, and I found an interesting um, uh, piece of audio online. There's a gentleman by the name of Bob Purse who... Uh, is a fan of old audio, and he collects old records and old tapes um, that he buys at various sales all over the place, I think around the Chicago area. And he found this 1966 recording from a radio station, um, and it's an interview with Harvey and Irene Schmidt on the radio station about their new club, the Ponderosa. Um, And it's very interesting because you see how far things have gone. When you listen to their interview, you understand that they're really trying to build something. They have a passion. They believe in naturism or nudism, as they're calling it at that point. But the philosophy is a naturist philosophy behind what they're doing. And they want to be very proper and clean. And somewhere, that meant starting a uh, beauty pageant. And that beauty pageant evolved and went further and further. And maybe they allowed outside people first and 
Maybe then they allowed photography, and maybe certain people came in. I don't know how it went off the rails. But at some point, somebody should have said, that's enough, but nobody did. And to this day, Nudes of Pop-In keeps going. It's scheduled for next year. It will happen again. So why don't we listen now to this radio interview from 1966? It's actually a lot of fun for a lot of reasons to listen to. Um, I've uh, left almost everything in it. I did cut out some of the irrelevant materials to make it a little more brief, but I did leave the uh, radio commercials because I thought those were so uh, interesting for the time and so cool. WGN Radio presents Virginia Gale's Portfolio. And welcome to today's portfolio. If I met our guests of today in a store as shoppers, I would perhaps note they're nice-looking people, but there was nothing unusual about them. Our lady guest is wearing a floral print dress, and she has a, a tweed coat over the back of her chair. The gentleman is wearing, I'd say that's a gunmetal gray suit and a blue tie. Uh, they're both quite tan. One thing special might be that he's celebrating his birthday today. And if you get to know them fairly well, without hesitation, they would tell you in conversation that they're nudists. And once you get over the first surprise about this, you'd find they talk matter-of-factly and fluently about nudism as a way of life. And their nudist camp, where they and their children and grandchildren and many other families bask in the sun together. Nudist camps are legal. Now... Most of us would never consider joining, but we're curious about the many families who find this an enjoyable and a healthy way of life. And I asked our guests if they would come and talk with us to know what nudist camps are all about. And for those of you who might not accept the subject, uh, we do this in the spirit of adventure to know as much as we can about all people, and I hope in all good taste. We'll meet our guests, Mr. and Mrs. Harvey Schmidt, after this news, an announcement brought to you by SNH Greenstand. Alerting thrifty Chicagoland shoppers. Alerting Chicagoland shoppers. Alerting you to double savings at national food stores. You save once on low, low prices, and you save again with S and H green stamps. Come on over and save two ways. Come on over and save two ways. One save cash on our low, low prices. Two. Save S and H green stamps. Come on over and save two ways. Yes, come on over to National Food Stores and see for yourself how low our prices are. Low prices this week, next week, and every week. What's more, you get the extra plus of S&H Green Stamps, America's most reliable, most valuable stamps. So thrifty Chicagoland shoppers get both low, low prices and S&H Green Stamps at National Food Stores. Not too long ago, I was sitting down in the cafeteria, uh, having a cup of coffee, waiting for two people to come in to be our guests today. And I, my mind was kind of going over the subject matter, and I was wondering, goodness sakes, I've, I've never met nudists before. <laughs> I was wondering what a nudist looks like. You know, I, I kept thinking, well, gee whiz, are they uh, people with two heads or <laughs> five arms? What makes them so entirely different that they have a, a philosophy that's so unlike what we have in our general society. And in walked Irene and Harvey Schmidt, and they're two lovely, ordinary people, and I'm, I've been very pleased to meet them. 
and sit down and talk with them about nudism. And at first, uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to be crimson red all the way through our discussion. <laughs> but it's turned out to be a very interesting subject and uh, one that they take in such commonplace stride that my embarrassment has completely left me. Now, why, why, would, why would I be embarrassed with the subject anyway? I guess it's unconventional. Would you say that, Harvey? No, I wouldn't say it was unconventional because uh, what might be unconventional to you is definitely not unconventional to me. This is as commonplace as anything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. How did you happen to become a nudist? Well, that's quite a story that's a long time ago. Uh, you see, my brother-in-law, married to my sister, saw some pictures of a nudist camp, and he wanted to see it. And he asked my sister to go with him, and she says, absolutely not. <laughs> not me. <laughs> so they had a little spat, and uh, he went himself and uh, spent the day there and come back telling the most glorious stories of such healthy, happy people. And he still tried to get her to go, and she says, well, only if you can get another couple, another woman to go along. She says, I'm not going to go with you just like that. And they went to all their friends all summer long, and they couldn't find anybody that wanted to go to a nudist camp. As a last resort, they came to us. And uh, we said, yeah, we'd go. What did you think about it, Irene, when you were asked to go the first time? Well, I, I was a little scared, but uh, I'm the kind of person that likes to try things out. Uh, and I mean, it was something different, and I have an open mind to begin with. And I was curious myself to see what the place was like. Uh-huh. What was your reaction? Did you have a did you have a weekend there or a day or uh, a reaction? My my sister in law and I well, we were in the back. We came, as we drove in, people were playing volleyball in the nude. And I took a look at them and I started to laugh. <laughs> that was my reaction. <laughs> I might have been nervous or something. And after I was there for a while we calmed down, took a walk down to the lake and it was, it was cold, it was, it was in October, and people were sunbathing there. And I said, how could they? And there didn't seem to bother them. And, we and then we came back ourselves and played volleyball and ping pong and went to the clubhouse there, and we had our lunch there. You disrobed and joined them? No, no? not the first time. You mm -hmm. were a visitor at this Just time? Just a visitor. Fully garbed visitor. This was in about October, and then mm -hmm. Harvey thought about it all winter. And uh, in the spring, he said, we're going to go back. I liked the outdoor life. I, I liked the place. There was something about it. It, it was nice. And then we went back, and we joined mm -hmm. the following spring. Mm -hmm. And that and was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. And you've been members ever since. Members ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me... Uh, yes. Uh, Irene was saying that... Uh, well, when you asked her... Uh, her reaction. No, no. Uh, we were clothed, when you mentioned we were clothed yes, visitors. Yes. Uh, I I'd like to explain that uh, in the cold weather, people do not go without clothes on. They are dressed just like anyone else is and only take off their clothes when it's more comfortable to be unclothed. And that would be in the warm weather? Warm weather or in brilliant sunshine in the cold weather. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find, as we have if you'd experience it, that as long as there's no wind and the sun is warm, the temperature could be quite cold, let's say 10, 20 degrees, 
and you would be warm without clothing. In the sunlight. In the yes. sun. Bathed by the sun. Yes, it's, sir. It was uh, the principle is similar to what they call radiant heat. Mm-hmm. There have been times that we have gone to camp in the middle of winter when there was no snow on the ground, and we'd spread a blanket, we'd be all bundled up, overcoats and sweaters and mufflers, lie down in a blanket, and pretty soon we'd be getting warm, and before you know it, we'd be nude, sunbathing, getting a tan in January. In January? And we'd be perspiring, and the temperature would be perhaps 20 degrees. We were out of the wind. Mm. In a secluded place where there is no wind. Now, you have a fabulous story that's uh, building and growing as the time goes on now. Two years ago, you started your own nudist ca uh, camp, right? Right. And uh, this is the Ponderosa, and it's in Indiana. That's right. And what did you do? Did you, did you go looking for a, a piece of land and uh, decided you were going to establish another camp? Yes. After being members in this other camp for many years, and our children grew up there, growing up there, we uh, decided that, uh, well, I should give you a little background. You see, I have been a leader on the executive board of our, one of our national organizations, and I was in a position of leadership in this camp. And we have I, had ideas that we thought we could put into practice and perhaps do it better than the old-timers had done. Oh, I see. So you're sort of pioneering in your own mm -hmm. fashion. Yes. Now, most of the other camps started out many years ago, and they were originally little more than clearings in the woods and gradually built up. Uh, the old-time leaders spend many years educating the public to the legality and the goodness of nudism. They had little time to devote to their own camps. Mm -hmm. Now, nudism is completely legal and becoming more and more acceptable to the general public right along. We can devote ourselves to creating uh, a modern, up-to-date resort and not have to worry about fighting legal battles. Then basically, the, the Ponderosa is going to be a resort. Definitely. Where, when you wish to exercise sunbathing, nudism is it. But the rest of the time, you have a regular garb as anybody else would wear at a, at a sport resort. That's right. Uh -huh. uh, we find uh, that uh, uh, when new people come, especially a man, man and his wife, the woman would be very shy. As a rule, I talk to her, and uh, and we make them feel at ease so that they mm -hmm. introduce them to the people. And usually, by the time they leave, they decide to become <laughs> members. I mean, they so the husband drags in the wife, huh? Yeah, but then the, the woman is a little shy. Well, then once the woman is in, does she take to it? Not uh, some do Im immediately, and some take longer. Mm -hmm. But eventually, it's it's really a family affair, isn't it? Yes. We'll talk about the family in the nudist colony after this message. It's more fun cooking, cooking with Caloric. Because food tastes better cooked on a Caloric. Caloric's exclusive infrared ultra-ray broiler cooks meats to juicy charbroil perfection every time. It's more fun cooking, cooking with Caloric. Because a Caloric gas range eliminates guesswork. Thermoset burners hold the temperature you want automatically. 
And Caloric's Cook and Keep Warm Oven shuts itself off. Keeps food serving hot for hours without overcooking. It's more fun cooking, cooking with Caloric. Because Caloric's styling and colors match every woman's dream of beauty in her kitchen. It's more fun cooking, cooking with Caloric. See for yourself. Stop in at Koch Brothers for a full, no-obligation demonstration of Caloric's great features that are making cooking more fun. That's Koch Brothers, 1521 North Lewis in Waukegan, Illinois. Listen to what Mrs. Irma Clutch of Ellenville has to say about Nestle's decaf coffee. I used to drink ordinary decaffeinated coffee. Then I discovered decaf, the one with real. Coffee taste, but no caffeine. What a difference. Wow. Thank you. That was Mrs. Irma Clutch, just another ordinary housewife who... Uh, ordinary? You called me an ordinary housewife? Well, I'm sorry. For I your information, I... sir, I am a person. Oh, of course you a are. A person with feelings, just like everyone else. Uh, Mrs. Clutch. Does an ordinary housewife know that decaf is 97% caffeine free? Now, wait Does now. she know that decaf is made with a special blend of the world's well, finest coffee? Wait a minute. Well, I like... Oh, you beast, you... Yes, folks, another true-to-life testimonial from a... Uh... Marvelous human being. Yeah. Decaf gives you real coffee taste, but no caffeine. Decaf. We're talking with Irene and Harvey Schmidt, who are um, now founders of rather a pioneering uh, nudist camp in Indiana, and we're kind of curious as to how they organized their lives to be noticed. You're Chicago residents. Yes, we live right here on the north side of Chicago. And when do you do your uh, nudist camp visiting? Well, we, after work on Friday, we gulp down supper and fly out there as quickly <laughs> as we can. And we're there from Friday evening through Sunday evening, getting back early enough to get to bed so we can get up for work Monday morning. Oh. Do, do the people where you work know that you're a nudist on weekends? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, everyone in the place I work uh, is well aware of it, and they're constantly asking how our progress is. Mm-hmm. And you're building the camp from the very rudiments. You bought the land. In January of 1965, our camp was little more than a cornfield with a very nice new farmhouse on it. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. As two years ago. Two years ago. And since then, we have furnished the house. We've laid out a third of the camp into lots, which I'll explain in a moment. We have built a swimming pool, and we're in the midst of building a large recreation hall. Um, you see, we give to our members, with their membership, a plot of ground, 30 feet by 50 feet, on which they can put a trailer, a tent, build a cabin, or if they wish, just have a garden. It's theirs as long as they maintain membership with us. Now, to these lots, we have run running water. We've dri drilled several deep wells, and we've purchased a large pump. We pump water to all the trailers, and we've run electric lines to them. And we are in the midst of running sewer lines to all the lots. Uh -huh. I understand there's a lake on the property, too. Well, 
the lake we dug. <laughs> we started out, we had, our whole property was uh, exposed to the public road. And in order to uh, shield ourselves from the public, we did a little figuring and found that instead of building a board fence, it would be more economically sound and look better to build hills along our property line. So we brought in a large, oh, what you might call like a steam shovel, big drag line they call it, and uh, built hills for 1,600 feet of road frontage on which we planted 2,000 evergreen trees. <laughs> you really changed the, the countryside yes. out there, haven't and you? In doing this, uh, much of the dirt that was used to make these hills was, was from this area which became our lake. Oh, I see. You see, at one time, our land, even though we're, uh, oh, I'd estimate about 45 or 50 miles from Lake Michigan, archaeologists say that Oh, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100,000 years ago, Lake Michigan came way beyond that. Mm -hmm. And this is actually Lake Bottom. So in the springtime, perhaps a foot from the surface is water table. So it drops down in the fall. Oh. So all you have to do is dig a hole and you have water. <laughs> well, then in certain seasons, you have a big lake, and other seasons, the end of the season, it's the little tiny puddle. <laughs> Just the puddle. Um, Irene, you say this is a family affair to become, to have a membership in a, a nudist camp. Your own family's quite involved, isn't it? Yes. Uh, tell I, us about your family. Well, my mother comes out there. That the caretakers are living there now, How taking care of the mother? place. My mother is uh, 73 years old. And is she, she a nudist? She's a nudist, and she swims in a, my pool, or the pool that we have out there. She's still a very good swimmer. We have square dances there. She, she, uh, she joins in with us, and, and, uh, my children, I've all married girls. They've been nudist. My, uh -huh. my two boys. So your boys were raised this way? Yes, and I have three, three grandchildren. <laughs> so there's actually four generations of nudism in our family. Where, I suppose you just grew with the idea once you joined and liked it. There is quite a history, isn't there, to, to uh, nudism? Well, I don't know if it's quite a history, but there is a history. Now, in Europe, Nudism has been going on for, ooh, I don't know how long, countless generations uh, in the Nordic countries, in Finland, Denmark, Sweden. They have their baths uh, that they call the sauna, where entire families or anyone who happened to be dropping in at the time takes their baths together in the sauna and then go out and roll in the snow. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be very invigorating. Is the nudist camp idea, is it... Uh legal in every state in the union not quite there are two or three states i'm not sure that have anti-nudist laws uh -huh. otherwise i would say there is no law for or against which makes it completely legal uh but let me go on in europe there is not only many nudist camps that is this side of the iron curtain because we know there are none on the other side of the iron curtain uh, there is also public parks and public beaches which are set aside for nudists. In fact, at the south of France, there is the Isle de Levant, 
which is a completely nudist island several hundred miles in size, uh, having towns and villages on this island, and its people live there and are complete nudists all the year around. How prevalent is it in the United States? Like in Wisconsin, how many are there in Wisconsin and Indiana, Illinois? I would say there's at least a half a dozen camps in each state. Mm -hmm. California has many. Florida has many. Florida would have Florida many. Florida has they can... many, many. Yes, they have a 12-month uh -huh. season where our season is much shorter. Do they interchange tourists so that some people down there in the summer, or some people down there in the winter would come up here in the summer to your camp? That's yeah. right. That's exactly <laughs> that's what that's does happen. Do. Oh, this is fabulous. Well, I'm beginning to enjoy hearing about it now. <laughs> I'm getting used to the idea, and I hope our listeners are. We're going to talk more about your nudist camp after the news. Jewel, 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 Jewel. Miracle prices are here today. Miracle prices are here to stay. Shop at your jewel and see for yourself. Miracle prices are on every shelf. Jewel. Would you like a Christmas bonus of an extra $45 this year? Jewel's miracle food prices can get it for you. Jewel has reduced the prices of over 2,000 items all over the store. Reduce them 5 cents, 10 cents, even as much as 20 cents in some cases, enough to add up to a savings of $3 to $7 a week. Start shopping Jewel's Miracle Food Prices now. You'll easily save at least $45 in the next nine weeks. It's like getting a Christmas bonus from Jewel. Miracle prices are here today. Miracle prices are here to stay. Shop at your Jewel and see for yourself. You get Jewel's Miracle Food prices every day. Why pay more? Here is your hurry, hurry, hurry memo for today. Carson's 112th anniversary sale is in its last four days. Only four more days for those anniversary specials you'll find in every department of every Carson store. Only four more days for the lowest Carson prices of the year. All stores are open late Thursday. All suburban stores open late Friday night. Four more days for the 112th anniversary sale at... Carson, 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 Fury Scott's and Company. Oh, I have time in here for a little side story. Uh, Irene, I was... Uh, well, I was just telling Irene that uh, um, when I had scheduled them for the interview, or when I schedule any interview, I release information concerning interviews to various departments that have to tie in with the production and all of a program. And I, I told Irene that when news uh, got around that I was having two people uh, who belonged to a nudist camp come, it caused quite a commotion. <laughs> I said, people came and asked me all about when were these people coming, and what were they like, and what did they say when I had talked to them and all. And uh, she said, uh, and I, this was a reaction I didn't expect, but I can see where I would now as we talked with them. Uh, she says, uh, when people consider us kooky because we're nudists, she said, it hurts my feelings. We don't feel that way at all. Well, more with our, uh, in our interview a little later on. Right now, let's turn to the news and Cliff Mercer. Virginia Gill's portfolio for Wednesday, October 26, will continue after the latest headline news on WGN Radio Chicago. Gigi! 
winner of nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture of the Year. Leslie Caron, Maurice Chevalier, Louis Jordan, Hermione Gingold, Jacques Bergerac, and Ava Gabor in Lerner and Lowe's magical musical, Gigi, an MGM re-release in Cinemascope and Metricolor. Gigi now playing Loop Theater. The time in Chicago, 1.30. Open it, close it, salami keeps fresh. Open it, close it, bologna keeps fresh. Oscar Mayer's new serve and seal pack keeps cold cuts fresh, even after you open it. Open it, close it, cold cuts keep fresh. No more dried out cold cuts. Open it, close it, cold cuts Keep fresh. Oscar Mayer's new servant seal pack keeps cold guts fresh, even after you open it. And once again, here's Virginia. Thank you, Cliff Mercer. I wonder how many of you have gotten acquainted with the secret of Instant Fells. Of course, we don't like it to be a secret. We want everybody to know that Instant Fells is both a heavy-duty laundry soap and a fabric softener. The fabric softener is built in. So here you have a product ready to go to work for you in the laundry and do two jobs at once. This is a, a job that's necessary, this business of having a fabric softener, because modern detergents have a way of leaving the clothes stiff and scratchy, and you need this uh, fabric softener to make the clothes easier to wear. And, of course, there's no reason why they shouldn't be easy to wear. Not if you have a product like Instant Fells. They can do two jobs at once. Of course, uh, right off the bat, you know you're not buying two products, so you're going to save money. And you save time because you don't have to worry about when to time in the fabric softener as an added product into the laundry. Unless you discovered Instant Fells, the heavy-duty laundry soap with a built-in fabric softener, perhaps you don't get around to using that fabric softener at all. So here's a way to do two steps in one product. Save money, save time. Try Instant Fells very soon. And I think once you try it, you may never use detergents and fabric softeners separately again. Mr. Schmidt, I'd like to draw a comparison, if you don't mind, uh, about our building and handling of nudist camps as compared to the old uh, camps that were long established in Europe. Are we doing it by the same pattern? Well, there's <laughs> a little humorous aspect uh, to the European camps as opposed to the American camps. You see, in Europe, they, they uh, really went in for the old health aspect uh, to the nth degree. For example, they didn't allow smoking and they didn't allow drinking coffee. But take in Germany with their meals, they all drink beer. And in France, they all drink wine. Here, we don't allow drinking of any alcoholic beverages, but we drink coffee by the gallons and we <laughs> smoke cigarettes and cigars all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> uh, you see, uh, in Europe, people drink with their meals and alcohol is a beneficial beverage when taken in a proper amount but americans always do seem to do things to excess when americans drink they have to get drunk they're never, never satisfied with a couple of glasses of wine with their supper they have to drink and drink and when people drink too much well, they don't act, always act so nice. Some people uh, become oh, depressive. Some people become belligerent. And, uh, still others think they're great Romeos. 
-hmm. And uh, none of these uh, would be conducive in our society. Mm -hmm. So better we don't drink and uh, alcohol and just drink coffee. <laughs> I was uh, interested in hearing about you and knowing that uh, you're the first um, nudist camp to advertise? Well, I wouldn't say that because I'm not sure. But I do know that we're the first in the Chicago area to advertise in Chicago area newspapers. Mm -hmm. We've been advertising for two years now in the Learner Papers and in the Gary paper, which goes from Hammond, perhaps, all the way to Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. In the old days, it used to be by word of mouth you would find out about a nudist camp. <laughs> and then there'd have to be a private little sales talk going on for friends to bring friends in uh, to a membership. And it was kind of a secret affair. Isn't this a, a big step to come out and just advertise? Oh, yes, and you'd be surprised how many people are interested. I spend evening after evening an answering the hundreds and hundreds of inquiries that we get. And uh, I would say that as time has passed, more and more people are becoming more sensible, more open-minded, and the more people are, are enjoying a life, at least part of it, without clothing. Uh, most, uh, a good percentage of people uh, are nude at home. And unless you would read the letters that I get, you'd never believe how many people are what we call jaybirds, that uh, women doing their housewife, housework in the nude, and husbands who come home from work and take their clothes off for relaxation after work in the nude at home. And when they find that there are people who are nude together, they write to us and, uh, and come out and join with us. Now, uh, there's a re basic reason for that. Uh, after all, people enjoy associating with others who are of like mind. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, uh, people who are politically minded join political organizations. People uh, who are interested in charities join various charitable organizations or those who like to play cards uh, join Bridge clubs or polka clubs. Our people enjoy being without clothing when it's in the proper place at the proper time, and they join our news camp. Now, this isn't all for the sake of health, is it, Irene? The, it used to be that they talked um, about the sunshine. They've gotten down to bikinis now that I'm pretty sure they could get as much, sun, much sunshine in the bikinis as they would in the nude. Uh, is there a philosophy about being nude? Yes. I mean, Something that uh, happens to the person? That's right. Once mm -hmm. it's sort of, it seems like sometimes when you're out there and you take your clothes off, you take your worries off at the same time with them. In other words, you forget everything, you forget all your problems, and, and therefore you, you gain a certain peace of mind. And mm -hmm. that, as I told you before, a person with a peace of, peaceful mind will have a healthy body, and therefore and we'll find that most nudists are healthier than the average person. When they drop their inhibitions about clothing, they have a more... Well, they forget their uh, problems. Nudism helps them forget their everyday problems. Then they're able to go back to their problems and solve them. Well, how does it help them to forget it? Because the, it, it's, com it's completely taken out. They think of something entirely different. Uh -huh. you're, you're away from your environment. 
of doing the same thing over and over again. Uh -huh. They go out there and they're in a completely different environment. Mm -hmm. And they come back to their jobs with a new, a new outlook. Mm -hmm. uh, you said we were talking ahead of time, uh, trying to see if there isn't quite a strong feeling, a uh, change in personality that happens in joining a nudist camp. And you said when they leave their cars at the gate, they no longer can be judged by income. That's uh, right. They you are, are able to themselves for what they right. are, and they judge each other and accept each other for what each yeah. is. There's no pretense. There's no pretense. See, you get to know the, the person themselves, not the, the, the money that they have or, or the knowledge. You get to know, the, and usually as a rule, a nudist person is a very fine person. They're kinder much more friendlier than the average per average people will be. Uh -huh. What about the morals in your society? Well, you know, uh, I would say that our morals are perhaps higher than the morals you would find in any group of equal proportions that you would find anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, you see, so many people seem to have the idea that nudity has some relation to, oh, you might say sex or deviations in an improperness. And beca perhaps because of this, to show that we are not improper or immoral, our morals are perhaps depend, uh, how to say it, the, we have been told that the pendulum has swung back perhaps too far because we're maybe too moral. Mm -hmm. This a scene in, in the camp at the swimming pool, this would be where uh, there would be nudism. Definitely, always. Oh, and the beach is covered with children and families. families yes. Mothers and fathers hardly get a chance to sit down in the sand. <laughs> the children are in there playing, they're trying to play with Because there are so many kids. Yeah. We have more children than, than we have people. How, <laughs> many, how many members do you have? I mean, family groups and all included, individuals. Oh, I would estimate approximately 200 at the moment uh -huh. that are members and many times as many new visitors. After all, we're new. Mm -hmm. Just two years old. Just two years old. Uh -huh. And actually, you've had, out of the two years, which is a pretty good running time to start off, and many critical decisions have to be made in building up the camp, you've had no trouble at all. Absolutely no trouble. Everyone who How has come the, to us has been the finest people we have ever met. How do the local police feel about you? The local, well, the state police come frequently to ask us if we have any trouble with peeping toms or uh, trespasses, but we don't. Evidently, people are of uh, more mature minds now, and they don't, uh, they don't trespass, they don't uh, climb up on a host to peek in. We've had no trouble. In fact, uh, we have a camp newspaper, and there's at least 15 or 20 local merchants who advertise in our camp newspaper. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And not only that, uh, our local grocer in Roselawn um, will start in approximately one week to build a restaurant building on our property, which he will operate oh. and have a restaurant and grocery store right in our camp. Now, when you leave the camp, one of your members, you have to put clothes on, don't you? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the camp, you would be illegal, wouldn't you? Definitely. That's right. uh, well, I established our legality before buying the property. 
and the county commissioners told me all I have to worry about is that no one can see our people without clothes on from a public way. As long as they would have to climb up on our hills or climb our fence, then they're trespassing. And they would be in the wrong. Mm -hmm. But as long as it's in our own property and secluded from the public view, we are completely legal. Mm -hmm. I think it would be most interesting to find out the kind of people, different types of people who come and join your nudist camp. And we'll ask about that after this news. Quality is hard to define, but easy to recognize. For quality you can count on, count on RCA Victor, the finest name in sight and sound. Count on RCA Victor for vivid color TV, with color so real you'll think you're there. For brilliant black and white TV, for portable phonographs, radios, tape recorders, and solid-state stereo with realism that rivals the concert hall. All with that easy-to-recognize RCA Victor quality that adds so much to your viewing and listening pleasure. Quality is why this dealer recommends RCA Victor so highly. Hello. My name is August Adams of Lowell TV, 26 South Center, Bensonville. My customers are my best recommendation for RCA Victor quality. That's why we carry the complete RCA Victor line at our store, Lowell TV. By the way, Thelma, baby, how was your trip to Rome? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. All those Italians do is eat. They serve a macaroni over there called Folds. It doesn't get gummy when you cook it. It's delicious. But Thelma, you eat like a bird. How could I refuse? Fold macaroni 10, 12 times a day. Every time he turned around, someone was saying chow, chow. Baby, that wasn't chow, C-H-O-W. It's spelled C-I-A-O, in Italian that means goodbye. Oh, you Well, kidding. didn't you know that? Oh, isn't that cool. silly of me? I mean... Oh, Irene and I were just talking. Uh, it's awfully hard to try and uh, zero in on the idea of what it means to be a nudist in terms of a philosophy. And you were just saying about this man, when he's at the nudist camp... Uh, he's just a plain... Uh, I mean, he has a little bit of a pot belly. It's, uh, not too much hair. I mean, he's just a very pleasant person. And uh, when it comes... I mean, you, you just know him as himself. When, and when he goes home in the, in the evening, he puts on his clothes, his, his uh, dresses very well, gets in his Cadillac, and he goes home. Uh -huh. well, My gosh, you, you would think that he was a, a millionaire banker when he's dressed, but well, when, when he has no clothes on, he's just as ordinary as anybody. And this is you how it's uh, so leveling and so democratic That's in right. your society and that you yes. you don't have all these uh, no you might call them bonds, you know, of uh, pretense that we use in all of our dress and our makeup and all. That's right. When a person wears no clothes or all the artifices of society, uh, their skin is their clothing, and people tend to keep themselves nicer and try to make themselves look themselves look better and not the clothing that they wear look better. Mm -hmm. and, the, and that way, they increase their well-being and, in general, tend to better health. Tell me about the types of people. What kind of people come all to All kinds join? of people. All kinds. For, my gosh, from uh, truck drivers, factory workers, office workers, uh, wealthy people, educated people. Executives? Uh, it's a complete cross-section. There is no one type of people that are nudists. 
We met one man a number of years ago. Uh, you might have thought he was a football player, uh, something like that. And here he was a, a, a PhD who taught the medical school. A real educated man, right? You, you don't, people that you don't meet in the average society. Mm -hmm. it, it, and then you meet the plain ordinary people who have just little jobs, poor ones and rich ones. And mm -hmm. once you're in camp, you can't tell one from the other. That's the nice part of it. That must be, be a starting point for your philosophy. It must be a great part of your philosophy of being uh, happiness in your newest calendar. And perhaps. I think that women, are, men and women that come there, they're lonesome. They meet all these new people and they make many friends and you meet such a variety of people there. Let me talk and they're about very them. interesting people to talk to, and therefore you yourself learn from these people. Uh -huh. and so then you become more interesting yourself to talk to. Am I? Oh, I don't know. I <laughs> goofed. <laughs> well, going back, going back to uh, the family scene, mm -hmm. uh, the children, of course, would enter a nudist camp because their parents would accept this. And if it was all right with the parents, they would assume it was all right as a way of life. What's the overall general effect on, on children? children find it quite normal. In fact, little children uh, uh, frequently in normal clothes society embarrass their parents by taking their clothes off just when company comes in. You must have heard of that. Uh, they come by natural. them second nature. That's, huh? that's their children are naturally nudists and they only uh, wear clothing because they are constantly shamed uh, by the parents and relatives all the brothers and sisters, uh, when they take their clothes off, they're, they become an object of ridicule. So uh, it becomes ingrained into them that they must wear clothes, that their bodies are shameful things. But at camp, uh, children who are born into it or come into it as, as small children, they, can't, they just cannot understand any reason why there should be anything wrong with seeing each other without clothing. They grow up that way and they all know what boys and girls and men and women look like without clothing on. Mm -hmm. And it develops a healthier attitude because then when a young boy takes a girl on a date and goes to a driving show, they go to look at a movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dressed. Dressed. <laughs> uh, how old is your oldest member? Oh, somewhere in the middle 70s. Oh, boy. No, 77. 77. 77. And he is, has the strength of a 40-year-old man. And I you think a lot of this has him. come through the health. I'm 48, and I can't keep up with him. All this outdoor he living. Shovels, he he what does somebody want to know more about your camp? Well, just write to Post Office Box 134, Roselawn, Indiana, and I will answer any inquiries. That may come in. That may come in. Well, okay. That's, and that's right, the Ponderosa. The Ponderosa, that's the name of your uh, that's right. the camp. So if they forget that, they can drop me a line and I'll pass it on to you. <laughs> My, I'm much more interested in, than uh, I was when I first came out, and I'm not the least bit embarrassed about it. You people accept it as a way of life. It is our way of life. Why don't you come out to our Halloween party on October 29th and uh, join in with us? Well, I'm not that used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get to keep my clothes? Uh, this will be a clothes. <laughs> uh, this will be a clothed affair. A dress affair. Yes. 
We all wear costumes and dress up all scary and uh, ridiculous and have a lot of fun. Well, then it really goes back to being a resort-type thing. There are so many different resorts that people go to. They go to ski, they go to skate, they go to uh, uh, swim in the summertime. And you feature all these, uh, this kind of outdoor resort life, and at times, nudism is part of the health that goes along with it. That's right. Is, so that, is that what it is? There's one thing Harvey forgot, which is very important. The nudists love to play volleyball, and that's their nat national sport. They play volleyball. Do you have competition between camps? Yes, and oh, we have yes. conventions. Oh, oh yes, I yeah. forgot all about that. Uh, this summer in July, we're having a big convention at our camp, and here we are only the second year in existence, and uh, it was voted that it should be held at our camp, and at this, at this time, the big highlight is the volleyball tournament. Uh-huh. Well... Then we have the king and the queen that we elect uh -huh. for the year. I mean, the, and the, their pictures in the magazines and all uh -huh. that. And uh, we have a lot of sport, different sports and things. It's a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting to come to. These yeah. people from all of the United States, nudists from all of the United States. Come You're to lovely people. Nature. You don't look at all any different from anybody down the block. <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for being our guest, Irene and Harvey Schmidt. Well, that's all for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Thank you again for listening. You find links to all of the items that I mentioned in the show uh, in the show notes on our website at naturistliving.bearoaks.ca. Although, frankly, I don't think I'm going to provide links to uh, the two clubs I mentioned because I that would be too much of an endorsement for me. Please uh, keep sending me notes and emails uh, with suggestions or comments or encouragements. I always enjoy reading them. Our email address is naturistliving at bearoaks.ca. That's .ca as in Canada, and that's bear as in B-A-R-E. So that's bearoaks.ca, naturistliving at bearoaks.ca. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. Yeah.